Hey, this is your host, Steve Broadway, for another episode of Consider This. I am in the studio today with Jim Johnson to do a deep dive into what was sprung off of the Ark story in 1 Kings 8 and 9, uh, and talking about God's presence. We hope you enjoy and find it inspiring. So, Mr. Johnson, you preached last Sunday. Yes, I did. You did. You were there. I have to say, and I don't have low expectations of our teaching ministries and preaching ministries. <laughs> I have high expectations. And I in, hope so. And in spite of that, I have, I have been profoundly affected by the depth and richness of this series. Story of God series. Yeah. It has taken me by surprise. Yep. Our life group conversations have been some of the best I think we've ever had. That's great. So I'm really grateful for what we're hearing and what we're experiencing. So we're going to dive deep today into what you preached about from 1 Kings 8 and 9. But first, okay. I want to hit you with a question. Ready. Has there been a time when you were not present at something that you, you could have chosen to be and you later wished you had been? Or was there a time when you were present at something that you later wish you hadn't been? <laughs> yeah, no. So here's my here's my clarification okay, question. My, my, my point of clarification question is, do you mean was I completely absent when you say present? Okay. Or do you mean have I been at things and yet not present? So do you know what I'm talking about? Like, I do. Are you talking about, man, the time well, where I totally missed something? Yeah. Or are you describing... Both and. The question okay, was really okay. the first one was just completely, completely not there. Absent. But I okay. think if there's a second example, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, that, that might even be more insightful. Yeah, so whatever yeah. comes to mind. So yeah, I'll tell you, the couple of quick thoughts come to mind. The first one is, I think Andrea would, would, would talk about this. Uh, Birth of a I, child? No, no? I, was, I was at all those. Okay. I was at all those. <laughs> Fully present. But yeah, no. But uh, there, there were a number of times where uh, during a very busy time, whether that had been my time in college, we were ma- I was married for most, Andrew and I were married to each other for most of that. And mm-hmm. then even having the kids, um, there was a lot of busyness, yeah. but not just with family, but with grad school and then my years at the college teaching. And so there's just a lot of jokes of me not being present, mm-hmm. so to speak. Mm-hmm. So one of the, I would travel a lot on weekends and speak. And so I was not at Max's, so our youngest son's, I was not at his baby dedication. So Andrea tells the story. Ooh. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, I, I, I literally probably that year, so that would have been 93-ish, I would guess, is when we would have done that, or early 94. Yeah. Um, no, sorry, 98, 99. Matthew okay. was 93, 94. So okay. it would be 98, 99. Um, I mean, I missed, I think it was 51 weekends I was, I was traveling. Wow. Speaking. That's a lot. And so, yeah, so I just, I wasn't there. And Andrea still says how awkward it was. Mm. Where, you know, and again, it's not like she was, didn't like the stigma of being the single, single mom, but she said it was just one of those things that was rather frustrating and maybe a little disappointing. And, you know, I mean, I guess I I don't even remember, I don't know if I remember missing it. It's one of those things where you look back and you go, I wish I would have been present. Yep. Yep. So again, that's, that's the, that's, I think the first thing that I think about when you're, when you're talking (laughs) about that. So. Well, presence matters. I think we'd all agree. Yep, yeah. Yep. And and uh, we man, we talked a lot about that at Life Group uh, the Sunday night after you preached. Um, I I think I was surprised at how much of a theme it is in Scripture. Sure. You know, and people talk about God's presence in different ways. Different theological streams or traditions can use different terminology. 
uh, Patty and I, Patty grew up in a, I would say a mildly charismatic yeah. uh, church. Yep. And God's presence is a gigantic upfront theme for charismatics. Yep. Yep. They talk about it all, you know, manifest presence of God yep. and all these And we things. invite you in, yeah, yes, right? Yes, so we yes, invite yes. you in. And we've got a song that kind of says yes, that, right? Yes, you're yes. welcome here, Holy Spirit, you're welcome, you're welcome here. here. Yep. And so, but it brings up some questions about the presence of God. How, how, uh, uh, how do we, how can we appreciate the general uh, presence of God in the universe, because we believe he's omnipresent, everywhere. he's everywhere yep. all the time. Yep. But then there seems to be sort of specific uh, representations of himself in times and places. And and like, how can he be more or, or less present yeah. in our world? Yep. So unpack that yeah, one a yeah. little bit. No, and that's, it's, that's really a big deal, because sometimes when we have general truths that we know to be true, they can really cloud out special moments, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So I think this is why to create a level of texture or richness to our theology or to our practical living out of our lives. You know, I love to remind people that if my wife, um, you know, date nights are important. And I say to Andrea, you know what, but anytime we're together, girl, it just feels like date night to me. It's a date to me, girl. (laughs) I just want you to know when I come home uh, from work and then you come home from work to me, as long as two or more are gathered, or <laughs> the two of us are gathered, you know. Um, and what's wrong with you if you don't think it's a date? Exactly. Come on, like, come I mean, on. what's wrong with us just coming home and watching Seinfeld? And, and, and my wife would be like, that's not what I mean. And mm. I'm like, okay, but what, what's wrong with that? Isn't that so? It, it's interesting. So we, we take these truths. Isn't it good for us to be together? One of the greatest mm-hmm. aspects of being married is the fact that we can be with together, be, be together with one another. Yeah. I guess we can be together yeah. and we don't have to like separate, go to our different, you know, homes or, and so there can be this togetherness where we don't have to be constantly engaged, right? There's just mm-hmm. a presence mm-hmm. that exists and that's a good part of being married, right? So that, that's true. But then to think that, Hey, well, since we're kind of together, I remember again, Andrew and I having a conversation about my presence or lack thereof sometimes. And when I was talking about number of hours together, I wanted to include sleeping hours. And she's like, no, you can't include sleeping hours. I'm like, well, why can't I? I'm, I'm there. Like, we're together. Like, almost five hours straight. Sorry. I can't so, help it. Just ex- laughing. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it, if you think about it like that, right? Think about, think about the need for that. The, 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 it, there is something really special. If I were to turn around and say, yeah, Andrea, it doesn't matter. Right? You're about to go to sleep, so I'm leaving. And I'm never there. And so, you know, let me know, you know, I'll plan to be back by five, but what happens when she wakes up at three and I'm not there, right? Oh yeah. So you can't just say a general presence is really all that matters. There needs to be both a general presence and then like a specific presence. There needs to be a level of engagement, a level of awareness. And I think that's kind of what the Bible is describing. Mm -hmm. So the Bible clearly depicts God as being everywhere all the time. And, you know, people have always asked that question, what do you mean about kind of a greater proximity? And, and the best I think that I can understand is that, if anything, there is a greater awareness of what is, or I like to think of it this way, a greater manifestation of that which already is. So he pulls back the veil maybe to reveal to To either there, to reveal, I yes, guess. or yeah. to if maybe to like to magnify. Mm-hmm. So if you want to think about it that way, like that there is something about the, 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 the presence of God that is always here. I, I had a professor in school that would always remind us that in many ways it's like radio waves. And then every once in a while, you have something that can pick up that trans that that wave and then transmit it into something more 
more tangible or discernible. Yeah, more tangible, discernible. And he actually said that that's who Jesus is. God is mm-hmm. everywhere. And then if you take him and manifest God, right? Yep. Um, then what you actually have in human form is Jesus. So that's mm-hmm. the that's that that idea. And again, any kind of explanation comes up short. But yeah. so I would say this: it's the same idea about the presence. I think it is good for us to always walk around, and God is everywhere, and you know He's I see Him in creation, and isn't He wonderful? And I was looking out in the stars, and isn't that awesome? But then there are those moments in which it is like, and, and biblically speaking the Lord makes himself known and an angel of the Lord comes and appears to them or a dream happens. And Jacob at the very end of that creates an altar and says something very special happened here. The Lord appeared and it wasn't like just me walking yesterday across that field. Mm -hmm. There was something very unique, very specific, very important that actually happened. And I think it is good for us to be aware of the general ongoing presence of the Lord and then at times to recognize there is something unique or special or powerful that is happening here. Uh, and to realize that the Lord is somehow in both. And yeah, I think, I think, that's, I think, I think that, that's important to recognize. Yeah, it's important to realize when you're not having the mountaintop experience and maybe you're in a struggle and you don't sure. feel him there. Yep. He is as there as he ever is. Yes. And, and no less. But there have also been, you know, a few times in my life that I look back and go, the Lord was just pouring himself into yeah. me and it just, man, I mean, yeah. it was undeniable. Yeah. And I don't know why at that moment or how it happened, but that, that, that's yep. the only way I can possibly understand. Yep. Yep. Thanks be to God. Shows in that moment to reveal himself in a certain way to me. Well, you know, we talk about this, right? So you're, um, a big part of what you think about and pray for Steve. And what I love about you is like, how can we worship the Lord better? Mm-hmm. Okay. And I've been guilty. Now, good news is a long time ago. Um, well, isn't everything worship? And I, I mean, in I, a sense, I get, for the Christian, sure, yeah, yeah, yeah all of life sure. is is one of worship. But it goes back to the same problem or the same dilemma. When when people are, I don't need to be in the Lord's house to worship. I get what you're saying. Um, I don't need to blah 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 to worship. And I'm saying, yeah, but in the end, going back to the analogy with family, I don't let my kids have that attitude. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dad, I'm always kind of with you in my heart, so see ya. Like, I don't, that doesn't really count. And so it's interesting. There is a connection between worship, which is a recognition and the awareness of God, like a magnification. So I get that in a sense, I might worship the Lord all the time, having a, an awareness. That's different than a focused worship of the Lord. So the problem is, is that if worship is everything, then worship genuinely becomes nothing by definition, mm-hmm. because there's no differentiation. And so that, I, and I think there is a close connection to the presence of God and then how we worship him. And so whenever the Lord makes himself that kind of known, right, not generally in the, in the universe, but that kind of known, the immediate and automatic response, the natural response of those who've been created in his image is wonder and worship. And I think there is something special and different about the gathering of God's people worshiping together that you cannot experience watching a computer screen. Oh. Or it would be very, uh, yeah, you just, it's just not the same thing yeah. as being physically present in a space. Yep. So, Zoom so that, church doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah. Internet church is a, yeah, it's, it's never the way God designed it or intended it. So, so second question in, in a practical sense, right? Yep. How should we yep. think about our, sanctuary or a gathering together yeah. in those times in what I guess you could call a sacred space, but what makes it sacred? And like, how should we think about an, 
treat sacred spaces. Yeah, yeah. And I think back on a conversation we had one time about playing a sting song at the end of a service and someone uh, with a very sincere heart uh, objected to that because yeah. we're in the sanctuary. Yeah, right? we're in the we're sanctuary. Not. So and that, we, that led to a conversation about a sacred space. But anyway, un- unpack that one a yeah. little bit for us. So it's interesting because on the one hand, um, and I want to think through this. I don't want to just kind of answer. Um, there's a very non-thought-through answer, which is, oh, yeah, what I love about this church is is that there's really nothing sacred about it. That in the mm-hmm. end, we allow our kids to run and play in the sanctuary. It's all casual. All the time. It's all casual. Yeah. And the reason why we do that is because we have a better or a deeper understanding of God's presence, right? So even if we try to tie it to an idea, um, and there's a part of that that I don't mind. There's a part of that that I want. There is something say maybe even attractive. Let's, so let's look at both sides of it. I think there's something attractive that to see a child running down the aisle of our sanctuary, finding pleasure here, mm-hmm. just as feeling a child, safe and loving, feeling and joy- safe yeah, yeah. and loving. And, and, and yeah. I look at that and I just go, wow, I, that's great. And I would even argue there's probably something unchristian about being angry and scolding the child for not recognizing the sanctuary. So yeah. Yeah. I think there is a beauty there is a, and I could even quote to, quote to verses where Jesus has a conversation with a Samaritan woman. Um, you say here, we say there. Jesus makes the comment that a time is coming where it's neither here nor there for the Lord genuinely uh, is seeking those who want to worship him. And so it's it's not about location. You can have a church, you can have church under a tree. Under a tree. In Ghana. In Ghana. So I think there is a sense in which I love the complete demolish. Uh, the, 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 the breaking down of barriers and walls and all spaces equal space and the Lord be present in all equal spaces. So there's value in that. But there also, I think, is something unique and special about certain places. I, I can't deny, I got into it with actually one of my sons about this. To be in Israel is something that is just very special Totally um, agree. And totally again, agree. it's it's yeah. like I understand the temptation that the disciples had on the Mount of Transfiguration. Wow, this is amazing. We should build some some tents. We should build some some places here to remember this. Mm-hmm. And in the end, God actually didn't seem to want that. Right? There's a there's a sense in which God does not desire that, does not want that, realizes that that can actually come at a dangerous. So I understand the 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 temptation or the natural direction that we go in to try to stop and to remember and to to make it hallow this is hallow ground now right it's it's special it's sanctified it's pure it's beautiful um and 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 so i love what that is trying to do because i hope what it's trying to do is honor something significant happened here and i need to be reminded of the of the significant event that happened here Mm -hmm. so that's where i think it's a little bit of both it's it's almost like for the for the for the family or for the child or for the person who just treats our sanctuary like a gym you don't understand but then to treat it like a sanctuary and miss the point of the sanctuary miss the point of the presence of god um, then I think you also lose something so i i i, I without trying to just say where well, i'm being a devil's advocate or i i think both are um, are equal truths that don't need to be balanced, but properly integrated. Mm. And so that is why I love thinking that there is something very, very, very special about that space. And yet, if I ever treat it like the Israelites did the Ark of the Covenant, which is to misuse it, right? To somehow 
not understand what made the what made the space sacred. And so it is not a sacred space because we dedicated it. It's not a sacred space because something even special happened to me. It's a sacred space because the presence of the Lord is here or was here or there's something like that. And if I ever choose, if you think about just, I thought a lot about this, that one of the reasons why idols are bad is because they become located and God is not a located being. And that's even the danger of the Ark, Ark of the Covenant, right? right the Ark right. becomes this, this, the danger of it is, is that you'll think I'm located. The danger of the temple is you'll think I'm located. So God made it very, very clear. I choose to come to that spot, but you ever somehow like confuse this about like how I'm there or where I am ultimately, or even the purpose of this, then I'll destroy it all. I will destroy it all. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that is uh, the, the the beauty of, wow, this is special and this is beautiful. There's something beautiful about this. But, man, we better make sure that we don't worship this, but it always points back to God. And I think that's how I like to think of sacred space. Gathering is important and being together is important. And recognizing uh, the beauty of those spaces where we do those things together yep. is important. Uh, so you alluded to this just now. Uh, but what's wrong with limiting the presence of God to certain places, times, or events? Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, rightly we want to um, hold up or elevate certain times, events, things that happened in our past, uh, but we can probably take it too far, yeah? Yeah. Well, I think what happens is, um, I've thought a lot about this statement, and I, I don't know if it's even been written on it, but I've often thought about the statement, the domestication of God. Hmm. And what I mean by domesticating God, it's this idea of taming him, right? Or or keeping him, I'll use the phrase often when I preach, having him in my back pocket, right? Which is somewhat at my disposal. He's at your beck and call. Yeah, yeah he's at my beck and call. Um, A.J. Conyers in his book, The Eclipse of Heaven, he basically says that instead of worshiping the God um, uh, that, that, that made the fertile world, we worship a God who would make our world fertile. So it's, it's a little bit of, it, it can seem so the same, but it is actually fundamentally different. So he's not a God to be worshipped, he's a God to be used. And Yeah, I think our modern scientific thinking has eroded our ability to be in awe yeah. and appreciate transcendence, transcendence, which is, I think, part of the theme of that it's, book. No, it is. Yeah. It's, it, it definitely is. It's, yeah. it's part of that theme. So basically, and if, if you think about how the ancient world thinks about it, so for example, they thought they saw high spaces or high places as, as, as unique. Um, even recently when I was in Africa, if you see a tree, like a big tree, mm-hmm. then those become special spiritual spaces where there may even be a portal into the the next world there's a and sense so of mystery there's a sense and, of mystery yeah, so yeah. mountains trees those things they have this and and, and in, in the ancient world what is the god of this place so gods were even located so the god mm-hmm. of the egyptians were located to that space the god of the babylonians were located to that space and god just comes in and goes like that's like all of this is mine right so there's not even another god in the universe like i i stand alone mm-hmm. in this mm-hmm. And whatever you better do is you better not domesticate me. You better not. I mean, what's so fascinating is God loves the children of Israel. He loves to give them a place. It's all about a land and a city that he chooses to dwell in. Mm -hmm. But he makes it very, very clear. You are not a covenant people of mine. If you choose to not be covenantally faithful, 
I mean, I'll, I'll destroy the town, I'll destroy the, the nation, um, and it'll become a byword. And people will go, what happened? And you'll say, well, they forgot God. I will never forget standing at the base of the Temple Mount, looking at those giant stones, <laughs> stones. that the Romans threw down in 70 AD yeah. in fulfillment of the prophecy Jesus made. Yeah. Uh, they leveled it, man. Yeah. They leveled the whole city. They leveled it. Yeah. And so, and, and if you go back and you take a look at right, so this is the concept in Jeremiah seven that Jesus reiterates when uh, with the with the second, technically third, but the the, yeah. the, the temple yeah, of Herod, right? Temple. Is that when you look at that, they th- this is what happens when we locate God to spaces, is that we kind of believe. Um, God is here in a unique unique place, or sorry, in a unique way, right. and therefore my behavior or my devotion needs to then adjust. So if I go out there, then I can do what I want. If I come in here, I need to act a little more religious. I would call that compartmentalizing. It is. Right? It's a That's compartmentalized. What it is. It is it, here's what here's where it comes from. A compartmentalized faith comes from a compartmentalized God. Yep. So I have located God. In the spaces, like what's interesting is, and I, I, I need to find out if, how much of this is a joke, but there are some people within the Muslim world that talk about like certain parts of the Muslim world, like Dubai, those areas, like Allah can't see what what happens in those places. Kind of like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. There's a lot of stuff going on that he probably wouldn't want to yeah. see. <laughs> so I mean, I, I can't imagine that being like a real idea. Yeah. I'm sure that's more of a colloquial concept yeah. that somebody has, but man, that view of of, of, a, of a being that is divine is ridiculous mm-hmm. but in a way that's kind of what that's kind of what we can do is that we feel like wow this is this is different I should act different I should be different and God finds that incredibly offensive um, and so that's Jeremiah's accusation and Jesus's accusation you live your life however you want and then you come into this space and you act differently you pretend to be something you're not yeah and if that is how you're going to, it, it, what's interesting, if that is how you're going to view this space, that is how you view me, and it fundamentally disagrees with my nature. Like it's not just it's not just his opinion, it's not his nature. His nature isn't limited to the space. Mm-hmm. So therefore, whatever you do in your home, whatever you do in, in Vegas, the Lord sees and is the Lord of all of these places. So there needs to be a consistency because of the consistency of God. And so that's the danger of uh, of a located God. We're called to live in holiness and righteousness. Yep. And I don't see how you segment part of your life because that's an internal quality of a life. Yeah, uh, yeah the whole compartmentalization thing has always made me a little, a little crazy uh, when I see people I love doing that. So this may—I'm hoping this is the best question to save for last. Uh, <laughs> I find it fascinating— <laughs> Uh, what does it mean to quote practice the presence of God? Yeah. How do you? Yeah. Like, how do you even think about yeah. that? What do you? What do you do? Yeah, that's you know that's the one thing. As I kind of went back, and I always have a oh, you know what I should have done moment for my sermon, is I I wish I would have spent more time there. Like, what does it actually mean in light of the story of God, in light mm-hmm. of what we have seen here? What does it mean to practice the presence? Like, I wonder if the, like, the spiritual disciplines do it, or, you know, there's probably various ways of thinking about it. I don't know. So that's the name of a, of a, of a famous book title by a guy by the name of Brother Lawrence, um, 17th century, so 1600s, mm-hmm. uh, a monk in, in, in France. And with the, they described him as kind of like a clumsy, bumbly guy. So he's not like, you know, he's not your these sort of these St. Francis of Assisi kind of a monk, right? <laughs> yeah. But he really became famous because one of the things that he talks about is that one must be constantly aware that God's presence is there. 
And he talks a lot about the mundane. He was actually more like a, like a cook. So he cleaned and he mm-hmm. made food for the other monks. And he just, so whenever I think about him and for that work, it, it's so insightful because basically what he's asking for is to have a greater awareness as you're going through your day, prayerfully, in some kind of a worship sense, right? Don't just go, oh, I worship God all day long and then have nothing change in your day. Say, I really try to have an attitude of worship all day long, and in these moments, this is what it tangibly looks like, that you can see it in my, in my life and in my faith um, being manifest, right? So, so that's, that's what needs to happen. So I'm consciously aware of honoring God in my daily yeah. routine. In my, in my daily routine. Mm-hmm. How is God in the—I mean, I, one of the things that I, I, I heard a guy preach on this a long time ago, he said, you know, if you really want to see your city, don't drive, walk. And I started at that time, I started running, and I remember just seeing the city differently. Mm-hmm. And I remember, what's weird was, I remember now praying for the city differently hmm. because I had never seen this street before. I had never noticed that house before. I had never noticed the sometimes wealth that I didn't know, man, these are nice places. I didn't, I didn't realize that. Or, wow, this is kind of a rundown place, yeah. right? And now to bring the presence of God here, and to realize that as I'm running through, the Lord was there and is still going to be there after I go. How do I pray for this? How do I pray for my city? Right? So running by Stillwater Medical Center. What do I pray? What do I think? As I look at Oklahoma State University, right? I, what I love about our college ministry is they try to spend time on the campus. And one of the things, we did this as an eldership one time, just kind of praying through on campus, mm-hmm. right? I, I remember just I remember being in front of some buildings and just thinking about like this is an educational center. What is this all about? The Lord is here right now. So the idea that I think you know we can take from the the wisdom of the brother Lawrence is is that there is something profound, and I don't just mean it it it, it blesses us or encourages us, although it does that. It's deeper than that because it is uh, glorifying to God, which is more important than Jim being happy or even Jim being fulfilled or satisfied or moved, spiritually speaking, is this this constant recognition that the Lord is in this place um, and then and then giving him the time and the attention. And it, it really does. It begins to shape how you worship, how you think, how mm-hmm. you pray, who you think about, who you pray for, how you pray for them. So I, I, I think that's that's kind of a really special, uh, you know, and I, uh, lastly, I just, I can think of, of having those moments, whether it's at the Western Wall in Jerusalem yeah. or Auschwitz in Poland, um, uh, in the middle of a field in Africa, um, uh, on the border between Ghana and Togo, and just watching people walk back and forth and just thinking about the gospel going back and forth across this river. I mean, so... I, I try to, because that book was pretty influential in my life a number of years ago, I try to think, okay, so God is here. How does he see this? What do I need to be seeing? How do I respond in worship and thought and adoration and missionally and all those things? So that's the beauty of that. It seems to me that, and, and I'm not against discipline and trying hard and, you know, having having a New Year's resolution, you know, sure. just on my own strength, trying to do a better job of that. But yep. it seems to me that to the extent that we... Uh, internalize our our purpose in, of being in the earth, uh, that our identity flows out of being a child of God, submitting to him and yep. being in relation to him, yep. that it is much more natural yep. to think like you just described versus, you know what, I'm just going to grit my teeth and try hard. 
that that's a I just don't think that's a very successful strategy. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, it's either going to flow out of you or not, depending yeah. on how you understand your yep. reason for being on this earth. Yep. Uh, yep. Yeah, it's crucial. Our identity is crucial in that. Any any last thoughts about presence or anything we talked about? And no, don't just, have to have. Yeah, no, I I really would like to encourage us as a church though to 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 I guess deal with this more to mm-hmm. to think about it and to speak about it. You know, my dad was really good at helping me um, just be aware of God's presence. Uh, be aware of God's of, and, and and not just you know He can see you you know it's like that that's kind of the way we reduce it to, mm-hmm. but it doesn't always have to be like a scolding warning. It can be, you know, God's watching you right now, so delight in Him and He loves you and, and he, he loves he has you. Mercy exactly, yeah, it's all exactly. So in in many different ways and in many different circumstances to realize and to celebrate the goodness and the presence of God. Man, I'm grateful to be here and I've, I've loved this conversation. I think something is happening on Sunday morning in our worship <laughs> services. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say I know exactly what it is, but God seems to be moving, be moving somehow. Yeah. And yeah. oh my goodness. So grateful for that. So Look, thanks. I, and I want to uh, no, you, you brought it up. So I'm going to say something. Go for it. Well, here's the thing is that it's not about the visual, physical right. manifestation. No, that's exactly okay? what I'm thinking. But here's the part I will say, because I mean, you could, be at a football game and have more yeah. gestures and yeah. more movement. Yeah. So it's not the movement, but there's no way to read scripture without recognizing that there is some kind of response. So it doesn't have to be the same response. It doesn't even have to be the same response to you, but there is the difference between responding and being disconnected. Mm-hmm. It's like so, praying on the temple Mount. Yes. When we, when we talked about that, yes, there is no Jewish concept of I'm just going to pray in my brain yes. and nobody's going to know, right? Yes. It's, it is outwardly expressed. Yes. Yeah. Worship, prayer, all of these things mm-hmm. are, are physical manifestations of deep spiritual truths that are happening. So for that reason, it can look like many things fall down, stand up, raise your hands, bow your head, sing out loud, cry and not be able to say a word. All of those are responses to the Mm -hmm, goodness and mm -hmm. the presence of God. So had to say it. Grateful to God. Grateful for you, brother. Oh, love you too, man. Talk to you all next time.